You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You can go ahead and take a seat at every campus. Good morning, good morning, shalom, bakel tov. If you don't know what that is, it's Hebrew. I am fresh off a plane uh, from Israel. I've been awake since 2.30. So you never know what's gonna happen. We preaching loose this morning. Um, If you are new with us, my name is Meredith. Um, It is my seriously unbelievable joy, not just to like get to come up here and preach and open God's word together, but just to be a part of this community. I love this house. I love each and every one of you. And if you're like, she don't even know me, I don't care. Um, I love you and I want you to know it. And I'm so excited about today and what God has for us as we continue in the Apostles' Creed together. And if you're just joining us um, or if you need some reminding of why we're doing this, this series while we're walking through the Apostles' Creed together, the first would just be, The reality is we're all living according to some creed, right? Because creed simply just means I believe. And that word belief is important because we are all, belief denotes action. We act based on what we believe. Here's, let me give you an example of like one modern day creed, okay? Just show you, we're all doing this in one form or another. A modern day creed goes something like, C-L-E-M-S-O-N-T-I-G-E-R-S. Fight, tigers, fight, tigers, whatever. Um, but some of you know, listen, some of y'all were just so quiet just then, but I've been in the middle of downtown Greenville and somebody goes, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. I'm like, what is happening? But it joins you to a people group. As soon as somebody does it, if you're a Tigers fan, you're like, these are my people. It's aligning me. I believe in the Tigers. Listen, this is not an alliance to a certain team I'm talking about. Go Gamecocks, go Roll Tide, go, I don't even say go Roll Tide. Sports, you know, whatever. But we are all living according to some creed. It's a belief that denotes an action. So the Apostles' Creed, listen, Christians have always been a creedal and a confessional crew of people. And the Apostles' Creed has been given to us, passed down from generation to generation to help align us with the truth of Scripture and with other believers. And the Apostles' Creed itself, it's not the Bible, but it is based on sound biblical truth. And as we say it, it aligns us back helps us not to, to drift with the, the, the tides of culture and uh, what society may be saying. And it brings us back to make sure we are aligned with what has been foundational about the Christian faith from generation to generation to generation. This is why we repeat it. And I wanna make sure I say this. Just because something is repetitive does not mean it's religious. The first, listen, I know the one, two, three, four now, but the first time somebody said it, one, two, three, four, I was like, five, six, seven, eight. I don't. But the more you repeat something, the more you learn it, the more it becomes just a natural part of who you are. So we repeat the Apostles' Creed. We repeat scripture. We repeat foundational truths because it's just a, a helpful tool to remember. 
And this tool has been passed down from generation to generation to help make sure we align with biblical truth and we align in community with one another. So the past three weeks has been teaching us what we foundationally believe about God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in light of that, the creed kind of takes a turn, and that we're going to take that turn today, that what we believe about God should then inform what we believe about one another. So I'm going to put the portion of uh, the creed that we're going to talk about today on the LED for us. Look at that. Man, our team is awesome. So this is the portion of the creed that we're going to go over today that, again, turns to what we believe about one another. It says, I believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. Now, there's a few words in here that you're probably like, I've been waiting for us to get to this one. First of all, holy. Like many of you are probably like, I, we sing it a lot, but if you were to like put me on the spot and make me define it, I don't know if I exactly could. So we're going to talk about that today. The word Catholic. Listen, I just want to go ahead and say this up front. This is not that we only believe in the Roman Catholic Church. That's not what it's saying. Catholic, Lee clarified this a little bit last week. Catholic simply just means like of the whole. It means that we believe in a global body of believers. If you are a young millennial or maybe an upper Gen Z, it means we're all in this together is what that means. That is a hand clap. I haven't got a hand clap all morning. And I say, high school musical and somebody's like, yeah, I love it. So we're going to go over that a little more. And then communion, you know, like we take that at the end. Does that just mean the cracker and the juice? It does, but we're going to talk more about that in saints. One of my faves that we're going to define all these words, but I actually want to start today by looking directly at the word. Maybe many of us skipped over and it's the word church. And we probably skipped over this word because it's the word we're most familiar with. It's like church, oh yeah, I get it. Communion, I'm not sure, saints. But I actually want to start today with a question. In reality, what is church? When you got up this morning and you got the kids and you whatever and you got in the car and you were saying, I'm going to church, what did that mean? And did your understanding of church line up with the understanding of church of the person that was driving in the car in front of you as you walked in? When I say the word church, what feelings come up? What podcasts, what experiences? So we're going to spend our time today coming together again. We're going to use those other words in the creed around church because after all, words define other words, right? That's how the human language works. So we're going to use these adjectives of holy, Catholic, communion, and saints to see, to make sure that we have the same understanding of what church actually is. And before we even get into it, I want to make sure I say this. Watching online, whatever campus, I believe that Jesus would still say the church is the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. And I have to tell you, I agree with Jesus. I've loved church since I was five years old. I'm still here. I'm still in it. I still believe it. I still believe that Jesus's promise that he will build his church still stands. So what we're going to do today, this word that we're so familiar with, familiarity literally means Um, a loss of respect or wonder. So my prayer is that as we come around what church is today, what we believe about church, that the Holy Spirit of God would restore our respect and our wonder of this beautiful creation of Christ that he still thinks is the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. 
Church family, you ready? Thank you. One, I hear, hey, young man, appreciate you, man. That's awesome. We're going to start with this word holy. What is, what does it mean to be holy? Do I want to be holy? And why is it so important that we understand the church is holy? I'm going to sit down because I'm 35 and I have back problems. And like I said, I've been awake since 2.30 and I don't want to fall off the stage. So, number one, holy. What does it mean that the church is holy? Church is made up of people who are obviously different from the rest of the world. Set apart by the presence of God and for the presence of God. If you're taking notes today, I would encourage you to write this down, whether in your phone or in a notebook. And if you are also taking notes, I want you to write down, the presence is the difference. The presence is the difference. Now, in order to teach this point, I gotta tell you all about my granddaddy. My granddaddy is in his 90s. He's a boss. He still gets on his roof to clean it off. My dad showed up one day. He's on the roof at 91 years old. He's like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, this is my house. If I want to get on my roof, I'm going to get on my roof. I said, that's my lineage. Yes, granddaddy. But my whole life, my granddaddy has quoted one specific passage to me. It's from 1 Peter 1, 16, and it says this. Be holy because I am holy. This is actually a quote from the book of Leviticus where God says this multiple times, but I have to to say it the way my granddaddy says it to me. He looks at me, he always calls me, baby. So he looks at me and he goes, baby, be holy as I am holy. And I feel that in like the guts of who I am, whenever my granddaddy says it. But the more I have followed Jesus, the more I have learned scripture, the more I've come around this word, this used to feel like a rebuke to me or a reprimand, or like, you're right, I'm not being like a good Christian girl. I want y'all to hear me and write this down. This quote from God, this command is not ultimately a mandate at its core, but an invitation. It's not a standard to achieve, but a person to become, an identity to receive. Here's why. The angels around the throne right now, they got one song on their worship playlist. It goes, holy, 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 holy. As they look at God, holy, holy, holy. Why are they repeating this over and over again? Why not love, 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 or power, 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 or, or glory, glory, glory? Well, this is a, just take note of this. This is a tool used all throughout scripture to repeat something to show that it is ultimate truth. If you remember, Jesus would often start his teaching with, Truly, truly, I say to you. Again, if you're a younger generation in the, in the room, uh, when he says truly, truly, it's basically him going, for real, for real, okay? But nowhere else in scripture does it repeat something three times to define something, and especially not someone. So when the angels are around the throne going, holy, 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 what they are saying to God is there is no one else like you in all the universe, This is a word that encapsulates his entire character. We can trust his love because it's holy. We can trust his discipline because it's holy. We can trust his faithfulness because he's holy. We can trust his peace because he's holy. Holy means set apart, so different, so other. God has never had an impure motivation to manipulate you. He's different. 
He's other. And what is so mind-blowing about this, y'all get this, the God who is so very other, there's no peace like him, no love like him, no faithfulness like him, no power like him. The one who is so holy then says, believer, you can now be holy like me. There's no one like you, and yet I get to become like you. Again, realize not ultimately a mandate, an invitation, that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice poured out for you and me, your love can be different. Your ability to persevere can be different. Your speech, the way you think, your your ability to have peace and shalom can be different because he's invited us into that identity through Jesus Christ. What? This is unbelievable. Look at, look at what uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17 says. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Here's what's unbelievable. God is no longer looking for a place to fill, but a person to fill. All the places in the Old Testament that were fill the temple or this place was marked as holy, you and I are now that temple. Meaning that we don't go to a place and it's deemed as holy, that we as holy temples are walking around and we can make other things holy. Duncan Campbell has a little thought on this scripture. He says this, the kingdom of God is not gonna be advanced by our churches becoming filled with people, but by people in our churches becoming filled with God. Amen. Let me tell you why that may not initially excite you that much. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, when you get a glimpse of his presence, we understand how unbelievable it is that he would want to dwell in this imperfect body. And when we understand this, it changes how we gather like this. Because I then understand that this holy temple connects with that holy temple, connects with a holy temple in Charleston, and this holy temple, and this holy temple, and the holiness spreads as we come in contact for one another. It changes what I come into church looking for. I'm not looking for a specific style of worship. I'm not looking for the preacher that I like or I don't like as much. I'm not looking for that, God, we have sung raise a hallelujah 1,500 times. The angel's been singing holy for eternity. I don't know what to tell you. But no longer do we come looking for that. We come looking for God. His holiness now dwelling in us so that we may go and be holy in a world that so desperately needs it. It makes us different just like him. That's number one, holy. Number two, Catholic. We made it. Catholic, what's that mean? Church includes every past, present, and future believer in Jesus Christ, both locally and globally. This is unbelievable, brothers and sisters. Basically what this is saying 
is that you and I are a part of a much more diverse, beautiful, eternal family than we could possibly understand. In Acts 2, the first gifting of the Holy Spirit, what happens? People start operating in different tongues and languages so that God is showing my presence, that is the difference, is now open to every tribe, nation, and tongue. Not only here and now, but all those who have gone before us. Hebrews 11 talks about that there is a great cloud of witnesses that have run their race. They kept their faith. They faced persecution, the edge of a sword. They, they knew what it was to pray and pray again and pray again and feel like God wasn't answering. They understood what it was to face opportunities to give up and to keep going. And what God is saying, when you believe in a Catholic church, a diverse and global and eternal family, you realize their faith DNA is now your faith DNA. And it changes things. Not only the saints of all generations that we've been joined to, but saints all across the world. This is unbelievable. It's so sobering to know that before you and I got up this morning, there were brothers and sisters in the middle of Mauritania who were up and they were praying to the same God that we were about to wake up in a few hours and pray to. Last year, uh, we partnered with an organization called Crossover Global. They plant churches all across the Middle East. And I got to meet one of our brothers from Mauritania. He walked in this auditorium in Anderson. He sat in the back. He put his hands over his head and he said, is this full every Sunday? And I said, is it raining? Is it, was there a game last night? You know, very few laughs. I get it. He said, you know, my brothers and sisters, we go about five or ten at a time to the bottom of a well so that we can read scripture and pray and sing without fear of facing persecution. Can you imagine what their prayers are doing for us? That's your brother and sister. So many of us have a, have a skewed vision of church because it's contained to the little community that we're a part of. And I believe today God wants to expand your vision of what it means to be a global body of believers. Some of us, the most spiritual thing we could do today is to sign up for a mission trip with New Spring Church. You can go today to newspring.cc slash missions and sign up. Listen, I get, I get all of us have different um, financial situations we're coming from, but I'm saying what could be more beneficial to your life than saving up to go visit a brother and sister across the world who you can encourage with your faith and they can encourage with yours and you get a greater view of what the church body is. And if, listen, if you can't afford to go on a mission trip, how about just hitting up a different campus and getting outside of your normal just routine and seeing what's going on across the state of South Carolina? I'll be in Myrtle Beach in August, partially because our church is there, partially because I'm trying to go to the beach. Expand your view. But not only is the church global, it is local. And this is where we have to dig in a little bit, saints. It is time for many of us, listen, if you are coming to church here at New Spring because you're trying to heal, you're trying to figure out what you believe about this faith thing, you kind of just need a second before you get like super involved in what's going on. I totally understand. But there comes a time where you get past that season and you decide to commit to a community. 
And I don't just mean committing to come to church every Sunday. God help us if we are discipling people to a place where you just think coming here is going to church. Church has an active presence in the community that they feel the hope and the holiness that we have across the entire community. I'm here to commit. Listen, I'm trying to live in Anderson like I'm going to die here. The longer I live here, it seems like that's going to happen. But when you commit to a community like that, you realize that the gaps in it may not be just the responsibility of the church, but any gap that you feel is not somebody else's job to fill. It is actually the Holy Spirit opening your eyes because he wants to partner with you to fill that gap. Some of the times I've been most frustrated, most bored, most like, with the church is when I was not partnering the Holy Spirit to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the community that I was a part of. Does your heart break for the next generation? Then please, oh, please volunteer with Fuse. If you're like, they don't need a 60-year-old Fuse group leader, yes, we do. I love the college students. Help. They need your wisdom and your knowledge. Do you have... Do you see homeless people in your community and you're just like, I wish the church would step in? I know for a fact in Myrtle Beach, they are starting a nonprofit organization to help the homeless people in the community. You could sign up to help join that today. Does your heart break that the church doesn't take a more active role in the conversation and being hands-on with women who are considering abortion and don't know what else to do? I know for a fact almost every single campus partners with a local organization who are doing just that to help women in the local community know how to raise their kid and that there's options to do this together. Sign up today. You can go to newspring.cc locations and see every single, not just like how to serve on a Sunday, which I love, but some of us have been greeting, some of us have been greeting for 15 years. And it's time for the community to also feel what you've been learning with the Holy Spirit. You work the night shift and like Sunday serving just ain't going to happen for you. Praise God. Be a part of it in the community Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever. Because here's what's beautiful. A local focus of the church equals a global impact of the kingdom. Like I said, I just got back from Israel. It is in my younger saint days, I was like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to move to the nations. God's like, Anderson, I'm like, what? But here's what's beautiful. Jesus, if you go to Israel, you realize most of his ministry took place in a 13-mile strip along the Sea of Galilee. He never left a 60-mile radius. But he committed to his community. He reached out to the widows. He touched the lepers, healed sick. He cried with those who cried, and that is now our commission. Wherever you are, there is a potential for the kingdom to break out in your community. And if I focus on my community here in Anderson, and you focus on yours in Myrtle Beach, or in Charleston, or in Northeast Columbia, then we might just see a global movement as we commit to our community. Thank you. This is the life, man. I'm just telling you. If you're bored in Christianity, it ain't God's fault. Let's get involved. Number three, communion. Communion. This one's going to be fun. Church is a group of Christ followers agreeing to pursue uncommon unity together. Church 
is a group of Christ followers agreeing to pursue uncommon unity together. If I were a betting woman, I would bet that when you hear communion, you think of the little cracker and and the deuce, right? Um, Which is true, but it's so much more beyond that because communion by definition goes further, which means intimate fellowship or rapport. That's what communion means. And when Christ is first initiating communion with his disciples, this is in John 13 through 17. You should go read it. It's such a beautiful, like, four chapters of just rich revelation of what communion means. I want you to think about the people who are sitting around the table when he's instituting this beautiful sacrament of communion. We got tax collectors. We got zealots. We got fishermen. People diametrically opposed based on their profession, their political agendas, their understanding of church strategy before they even knew what church strategy was. And when Christ takes that cup and he takes that bread and he looks at them in the eye and says, do this in remembrance of me. He was trying to say, hey, don't just remember that my sacrifice has made a way for you to be in union with me. Remember that it's made a way for you to be in union with one another. We are not just joined to Christ. We are joined to one another. His blood has made a new family. I understand in the South, it is like family, which is so beautiful. But if your discipleship has narrowed to just your little family, then I will tell you, you are missing out on a beautiful blessing of the kingdom that you are called to make more disciples than just the ones within your little family. This is why we do communion the way that we do at New Spring at the end of the service, that you come forward and a brother or sister looks you in the eye and says, this is Christ's body broken for you. This is his blood poured out for you because when you lock eyes with someone, you remember this is going to take all of us. He didn't just save me, he saved you and he called us. His final prayer in John 17 near that same room was, God, make them one. And listen, I realize that the reality of relationships are messy, right? Many of you, like, I, I understand, like, people in church have legitimately hurt you. And I want to look straight at a camera and tell if there's anybody at any campus that I have personally hurt you at any moment, I want to repent and ask for your forgiveness. And I want to also ask that you don't allow my sin or the sin of someone else to cause you to steer away from community when it is a beautiful blessing that God has called you into. It is a spiritual impossibility to be growing closer to God and and growing further away from the people that he has saved. As we are growing closer to God, we grow closer to one another, and that is messy. But that is why I love the reality of relationships shown in Scripture, that they're messy. Paul, Peter, all the forefathers, y'all, they show relationships are messy. Paul and his boy Barnabas, who had done a lot of ministry together, they have a little falling out over a dude named John Mark. John Mark, apparently he got a little wishy-washy, got a little scared, so he pieced out. He comes back, I want to help again. Paul and Barnabas, different theologies. Barnabas is like, grace, we should let him back in. Paul's like, truth, he cannot, you know. And so they split up for a while. 
But we see in one of his last letters to Timothy that somewhere along the way they had to have had a reconciliation because he speaks of John Mark with kindness again. Not only that, Paul calls out Peter to his face in front of the whole church. Can you imagine if I did that? Can you imagine if I called Dan or Clayton or Brad up here and I was like, brothers and sisters, this is what Clayton did wrong. I would be canceled so fast. But relationships are messy. Paul calls out a guy named Demas and says, he abandoned me. He speaks to two women at the church of Philippi and says, y'all need to get your, your differences under control because you're leading the whole church astray. He writes to the church in Corinth and basically says, Maranox translation, I know y'all been talking about me behind my back. He was writing to you in the letter, not me. I didn't do that. That was you, bro. That was me. Relationships are messy. But even in John 19, in his last moments on the cross, Jesus looks down as he is suffering, as he is as he's in pain, as he feels abandoned. And in his final prayer, he looks out at a people who had rejected and rebuked and are standing there mocking them. And he says, Father, forgive them. This is what love looks like. Brother and sister, you gotta forgive them. That bitterness is gonna crush you. Hand it over to the righteous judge who will handle it. Jesus says this as he's around that table in John 13. He says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, what if the world looked in on us and instead of seeing divisiveness, cattiness, post thrown across arbitrarily on social media, they saw people who forgave, who loved, who fought for unity, who looked at each other one and eye to eye and said, join to Christ, join to one another. Communion. We're going to participate in that sacrament at the end of the service today. And we're going to do it under the identity of our fourth and final point saints. If you've ever been here uh, when I've preached before, even when I lead worship, I love to say, hey, saints, because this is what I believe that means. is church is filled with people who are being made into the holy image of Christ. I love this part of the creed because it's actually finishing where it began because saint means holy one. It's as if the creed is ending with the declaration once again, hey, be holy as I am holy. Because saint is actually the word used most in the New Testament to refer to every believer, more than Christian. It's referring to, and maybe you're like here and you are from a Roman Catholic background, you're like, I thought saint was just those who had been officially recognized by the, and I'm here to tell you, saint is what every believer in Jesus Christ is called according to the New Testament. When we understand what Christ has done for us, imparted his righteous, holy, beloved, pure identity, then when we look in the mirror, the first title, the first filter we see ourselves through is saint, holy one. When you look at yourself through this filter, it means that fighting sin becomes different because I'm not doing behavior modification. No, I'm becoming like a person and that person is Christ. 
Not only then is it the filter through which I just see myself, hey, it is now the filter through which I see every other believer first. means when I look at a fellow brother or sister, I don't first go, you know, they're a Democrat saint. I can't believe they voted for saint. Or they're vaccinated saint. They didn't wear masks when they were saint. She is so loud, saint. Why is he dressed like saint? When we understand that this is our right identity, changes how we see ourselves and how we see one another. So, hey, saints. The last scripture I want to encourage you with, 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is just stupid. This verse is just so dumb. And I mean that in a colloquial way. It's amazing. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, Holy Spirit, help us to understand what this means. It says, and we all, with un veiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of Christ from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Church family you are not being conformed to a standard to a set of rules to a certain church identity you are being transformed into the same image of Jesus Christ. The righteousness that he is clothed in, you are clothed in. The authority that he is clothed in, you are clothed in. The peace that he is clothed in, you are clothed in. The joy that he has, you can have into the same image. Can you even believe it? So my prayer today is that we would see that familiarity would give way to awe and respect again. That maybe, just maybe, if we realize the holy identity we've been invited into, the global and local and eternal reality of the church, the communion we've been called to participate in, and the saintly identity we've been given, hey, heads up, we just might have church. So with that, I'm going to invite you at every campus to stand on your feet. If you're part of our ministry team, you can move now. Because we're going to respond together. So I want to invite you now, saints. And I want to greatly encourage you. Every single one of us has a way that we can respond today. Lee McDermott last week talked about the power of a whisper. Meaning the voice of the Holy Spirit, I believe, has one thing at least for every single one of us. Maybe you're here and... As we start to sing and worship, you may actually need to sit back down and let the power of the whisper speak to you. Maybe you need to stand up and sing and raise your hands like you never have before. Join with the angels around the throne as they sing, holy, holy, holy. Maybe you realize that you've been seeing yourself through the wrong filter and you're cloaked in shame and in guilt. And I want to invite you to move to one of our prayer team members and let a brother or sister remind you of your right identity in prayer. Hey, maybe you realize I've been coming to church. I've been playing the game. But it's time for me to commit to a community. And you can respond in, do, in doing that. You can, I, you can get on your phone during the song. Ain't nobody going to come talk to you and look at 
missions or locations and get involved. Hey, many of us need to walk forward, participate in communion together. Let a brother or sister look you in the eye and say, this is his body broken for you and his blood poured out for you. Let's do this together in remembrance of him. We need to give during this time. We heard a beautiful story from Justin Harrison of what can happen when somebody gives into the local community. And lastly, maybe you're here and this all sounds great, but you have yet to be joined to Jesus Christ. You do not, you have not realized till today what his blood and his sacrifice has purchased for you and you need to start a relationship with him today. Repent of your sin, invite him into your life. There is a cross at every campus that I would invite you unashamed. Why don't you hit a jog to that thing? to give your life to Jesus. Can some other saints in the room testify with me that it is the best decision that you've ever made? There is room at the cross for you. There is room at this church for you. And I'm just saying, can we behold the beauty of the church again? Christ is not done with it. I'm not done with it. We are not done with it. Until Christ returns, we will continue to say, shape us into the same image. So let's pray together, and then we'll move. Father, you are so, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If anyone today has been living with a filter of a haze of hurt over their eyes, Holy Spirit, our healer, come bind up the brokenhearted and clear our vision to see. If there's anyone who has hatred stored up in their heart toward a fellow brother or sister, would you, the one who has empowered us to forgive, turn their heart to give that over to you? As we take this beautiful sacrament of communion together, Jesus, we remember your blood poured out. We remember your body torn. We remember that were it not for your sacrifice on the cross, we would have no access to hope, peace, joy, life everlasting and abundant life right now. But because of you, all of that is available here and now to overflowing. Fill us again, Holy Spirit. We don't want to fill our church. We want to be filled temples of the Holy Spirit. Fill us during this time. It's in Jesus' name. Respond now, however you need to. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.